Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. It's still really to be damaged. everybody welcome to this week's edition of the still real toast show episode number 626 for february 10th 2022 welcome to this week's edition of srtu i'm one half the show i am jeff peck joined every single week by co-host by my co-host the one only dr trey franklin dr trey what is up my friend oh i was just telling you off the air long day but Dude, my house smells like fruity pebbles. This is like the best like I felt coming home. I walk in the house and and the wife had found these uh scented candles that smell like fruity pebbles. It just makes me smile and feel like a kid again. Now is it is it a candle that's supposed to smell like fruity pebbles? Yeah, well it's like one of those uh it wasn't labeled fruity pebbles, but it's yeah. one of those uh wax warmers, you know, you put it in there, melt it and scent comes off. Yeah, yeah. So I, I forgot what it was labeled, but I walked in my bedroom just now before the show started. I'm like, This is fantastic. I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm ten years old getting ready to sit down and watch WWF superstars on Saturday mornings. Uh good times. You know, I just recently scrolled through on Peacock some of the old uh superstars. Episodes I wanted to see the ones that they had, and it was basically like the entire ones from when I was a kid and would watch Superstars. Like, that was the first time I found WWE. It was on Saturday mornings on Fox 5 in New York, and it was on at noontime on Saturday after Saturday morning cartoons, which is a lost art. Uh, just like just like cereal is at times now. I, I feel like cereal doesn't have that same impact that it used to have when you and I were growing up, Dr. Trey. Yeah, and the crazy thing is if you ever walk down the cereal aisle in a store, there's like so many varieties of stuff that you didn't have as a kid. It's just like, man, I I kind of wish I was a kid. But even like my kids, my kids don't really eat cereal all that often. It's Pop-Tart or it's breakfast muffins and, you know, out the door. It's like, you know, so Saturdays, I, I'm not going to lie. There is a box of Fruity Pebbles on top of my fridge. Okay, so you, so, stu- you do have Fruity Pebbles in your house. Yes, every now and then, that's my guilty pleasure cereal if I'm having a bad week or something. Usually it's on Sundays because I work mornings, Monday through Saturday. So Sunday mornings, I'll get up, make myself a bowl of cereal, sit down, watch some wrestling, play some PlayStation, stuff like that. So 
Fruity Pebbles and a Frosted Shredded Wheat. Uh, my two favorite cereal guilty pleasures. So uh, my current cereals that I am rocking right now is uh, Frosted Mini Wheats and uh, Raisin Bran because I'm an 80-year-old man. <laughs> but I like it. I mean, how could you go wrong with that? And Corn Flakes. Corn Flakes I'm rocking with right now too. When you're eating the Raisin Bran or the Corn Flakes, do you add a little bit of sugar to it or you eat it as is? I, I eat it as is, pour a little uh, milk on it, obviously, not dry. I'm not a cereal yeah. killer, no pun intended. Um, but I'm still a big cereal guy. I, I I will rotate cereals. I haven't had Fruity Pebbles in a while, but I will throw in uh, Fruit Loops into my um, my my run of uh, cereals at a period of time. I mean, you can't go wrong with Fruit Loops, Fruity Pebbles, or chocolate Fruity Pebbles because when you're done, you get that nice little I've never had that milk or the chocolate milk go down. But I don't know. I, I can't do the raisin brand or just the regular cornflakes without a little bit of sugar on top of it. Just because, once again, you're an 80 year old man. I'm an 80 year old man that still thinks he's 12. So that's how my my mindset works when it comes to cereal. Hey, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. You know, cereal is the way to go. You know what cereal? I, I recently just found this out, and I was, like, devastated. So it'd be interesting to see where you land on this one. But when I was growing up, I loved uh, uh, honeycombs. Yeah. W- were you a honeycomb fan? It, it was in the mix. Um, typically, when I was a kid growing up, it, you know, there's the Fruity Pebbles, Fruit Loops. I mean, also, the generic brand. We never got regular day brand. It's always a knockoff. Uh, honey Smacks is on the list. Um, honeycomb, uh, and then also Count Chocula or Frankenberry. Those were the, the cereals for the kids when I, was, when I was growing up that we had in our house. Now, I, I didn't realize that Honeycomb cereal is is no more. Oh, now you just made me R- sad. Right, or it's... I, let me, I'm trying to look this up right now because I could not find it anywhere. No, it's still... It's still a cereal, but I don't think... They reformulated their cereal recipe. I never see it in stores anymore. Uh, what was your food chain up there? What was your big grocery store chain? Stop and Shop. Stop and Shop. Okay, because I can't remember if it was Giant Foods or Stop and Shop. It's uh, like all part of that same mix. Yeah. I feel, didn't we talk about this on the podcast recently? <laughs> no, it was like a couple years ago. I feel like we – wow, see, they all blend together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember talking about like Giants and stuff. Yeah, because that was always like when I was traveling – you know, in the Northeast, I didn't know what a good grocery store was. So that's what I learned about Stop and Shop and Giant. And uh, there's another one up there, too. In the Midwest, there's Myers. Uh, in the in the North, in the Carolinas, there's Food Lion. Uh, in the South, you get more Publix and uh, Kroger's and stuff like that. But, like, I, like, when I saw Stop and Shop, I'm like, I thought it was one of those, like, mom and pop IGA grocery stores. Like, I didn't realize it was a chain. Um but I would definitely reach out to reach out to Stop and Shop and be like, "Hey, where's my damn honeycombs? I need my honeycombs back." Yeah, I'm with you. You know, what? I think that's enough for the show. Fuck wrestling this week. <laughs> I think we'll just talk cereal. We should just do a cereal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just the way it is, man. Cereal. It's funny that you say your kids are just pop tarts, muffins, stuff like that, because I do feel like cereal's a lost art. I, I will have cereal most of the time, Monday through Friday. I, I have a bowl of cereal. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, it's like a bigger breakfast, French toast, waffles, pancakes, that type of run. But I'm more of a breakfast guy, Dr. Trey, than I am any other meal, lunch or dinner. Yeah. 
See, I'm more of a lunch guy because usually in, in, in just our house, we're a house of procrastinators. So in the mornings, we never wake up too early. Now, Megan, she'll, she'll wake up early, have herself a couple cups of coffee, you know, kind of get her day started. But the kids, like how my, my Peyton, my 14-year-old stepson, he has to be on the bus at 6.12 in the morning. Oof. You know, and I'm like, yeah, he's not, he isn't, he'll wake up at 6. throw <laughs> clothes on and get out the door. Like, he doesn't have time for it to actually sit down and have a bowl. And that's, I think there's a lot of Americans out there that they're kind of in a rush in the morning, so they'll have, the quick snack breakfast and get out the door. I mean, but you're an 80 year old man. You probably get up at like five o'clock in the morning, have, you know, your brand oatmeal or, uh, uh, what was the one, uh, honey bunches of, or no, uh, the, the honey, honey, no, honey grape bunches nuts. of oats. What? Like hun- honey, nut Cheerios. I was thinking of grape nuts. Uh, oh, I won't have that shit. No. <laughs> straight fiber to your, just straight fiber to your colon as it goes. I mean, ra- raisin uh, brand is definitely straight. <laughs> Straight fiber to the colon for sure. Well, yeah, like I mean, for for me, same thing. Like I'll, I'll wake up and I gotta be out the door by eight because I work a crazy nine a.m. to seven p.m. shift. Um, so if I get up at eight, I got a I got a forty five minute drive to work. So like I, I'll usually forget. Hell, half the time I forget to take my medication before I go to work. So <laughs> um, and it's like right there. I had to, I had to put my medication like right by the front door just to remind me to take it. So. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the older we get, the more we forget, right? Well, yeah, because once again, I, in my head, I'm still 12. I'm like, I don't need these medications for me to live. And then two you know days I mean? later, you just, you're just in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, two days later, I'm, I'm in a freaking diabetic coma with a sugar <laughs> level over 300. So. Uh, wrestling cereal. The only one I can think of is Bootios, right? That's the only one they've ever legitimately made. I can't think of anything like even when I was growing up that Hogan or Warrior Savage got behind as like some sort yeah, of sponsor. I was, to, I was trying to think of during the rock and wrestling cartoon days if they ever made anything. And I don't remember rushing out to buy anything like that. So even Bootios is kind of a niche one. Like you don't really find Bootios. Do you guys have Bootios in Stop and Shop? Because we never had it in the stores mm. here. You got to get it from like FYE or, you know, some nostalgia type show, you know some like uh spencer's gifts or something like that hot topic it's funny that you just said that because i typed in wrestling cereal in google and fye came up i didn't know fye was still a store yeah there's still a few uh wow that's like finding that one blockbuster in like alaska or wherever it is now salem oregon been to okay that's where it is you've been to that one i've been to that one yeah see i know bootios was up on uh wwe shop obviously yeah. Wait a minute. I think I may have found something here. See, this is funny how this turned in. So there was a WWF Superstars. What is that? Is that macaroni and cheese? What is I, this? I vaguely remember WWE did a crossover deal, I think, with Kraft. Yeah. What? Macaroni and cheese. It That's says it's old school WWF cereal, but ah. this looks. No, this is mac and cheese. This is totally. And this was hyping up WrestleMania Eight, the Legion of Doom. I was about to uh, say it's like it's like late eighties, is what I was thinking. Yeah, Warrior and Hogan, and then Warrior and Hogan together on it. Uh, what did I find here? WWF Superstars cereal. I can't tell; it's all blurry. No, this is all mac and cheese. That's the only thing they ever made. Yeah, and the ice cream bars, of course. Of course, yeah, but never a wrestler even on Wheaties. Wow. 
I could have really. There's never been a restaurant on Wheaties. I could have sworn back in the eighties somebody got on there. Big Show was on a Honeycomb Box. Yeah. Okay, so this is pretty recent because they're promoting three month trial of the WWE Network. Yeah. And um, Becky Lynch was on Golden Crisp. Cena was on Fruity Pebbles. Oh, that's right. To yes, hype up. Remember the, uh, when Rock the called them out for the Fruity Pebbles and then they ended up putting them on the box? And then they also did the crossover movie with the Flintstones and yes. as well. Yes. Uh, what is this? WWE Superstars. Again, macaroni and cheese. I guess they did it recently with heading into WrestleMania 34, too. Wow. Okay. Does, macaroni, does macaroni and cheese go bad? Could I eat a box of macaroni and cheese from WrestleMania 8? I... I mean, I wouldn't take that chance, but I'm never going to stop you. I'm not going to stop you. I just never knew if macaroni and cheese had an expiration date. Uh, it's not like a Twinkie where it would it would end up past Armageddon, right? Yeah. But I guess yeah. it's up there like a Twinkie, right? It would, I, I would think so because, I mean, if you, especially if you use the powdered cheese instead of the liquid cheese, I, I, I think yeah. the expiration would last longer on that. That's stuff that you'll find up in space. Um, all right, cereal chatter. Podcast took a right yeah. turn. <laughs> yeah, and it went on for like 11 minutes talking about cereal. That's what I think people were like, oh, yeah, they're going to talk about this and this and this. And it oh, was 11 no. minutes on, on cereal. But you know what? That's just how it goes, folks. That's just we, got a, goes. We, got a, we got a lot of chubby fans. I, mean, I think they appreciate the cereal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Um, WWE. We talked about this a little bit at a small amount at the end of last week's show. Um, but the current direction of WWE is is concerning, and you're starting to hear this get picked up a little bit more on the dirt sheets and the news reports that the current direction from the superstars is concerning. I, I would say as a wrestling fan, the last five, six months, I would agree that it's concerning as well. I don't like the direction of NXT 2.0 as compared to what it was previously. Um, you're seeing people, and we'll get into him here in a little bit, like Big E, his singles run is completely done. The curious booking of Ronda Rousey, which we'll talk about here momentarily. But it just feels like, Dr. Trey, um, that it's, again, a product that's looking for an identity. Like, it has an erratic behavior, an erratic identity, uh, focusing on 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 what I don't know anymore. But a- as a wrestling fan, we've seen this, especially the years that we've been covering on the podcast, go intermittently up and down like WWE has a good stretch for a couple of years and then it gets erratic again. But I would say that really, and I know a lot of fans point to this, you know, tinfoil hat stuff here, but since Nick Khan became the president of WWE, the direction of the company has been concerning a lot of rumors that it may be being, may be sold. People have, have reached out about buying WWE according to Nick Khan, um, nearly a hundred plus, Close to 100 or over 100 plus uh, employees, superstars released from their contracts since the pandemic pandemic started. Um, there's been a lot of negativity, but there's been a lot of positive stuff. I like that WWE's moved their premium live events to Saturdays now. Uh, the WWE Network has been drastically reduced on content. I think the only thing that's keeping it afloat right now outside of NXT UK, uh, Raw Talk and Talking Smack is the Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin. I can't I remember the last time they actually did something new on the network, uh, a new series or anything uh, of the like. It, it's it's a concerning trend. Triple H no longer in the fold, uh, according to reports, because of his health, direction, what have you. 
I'm not a fan right now of of where things are going uh, with WWE as as a consumer, as a fan. Your thoughts? Are you concerned with the current direction of World Wrestling Entertainment, or is what I'm saying just a bunch of fluff right now? Uh, I mean, as a fan, I, I, obviously I, I'm concerned because there is a lot of a lot of a lot of parts that I don't agree with with what's going on with the company. It does feel much more, and, and you know, I I, I work for a pretty large corporation. I think I'm pretty sure you work for a decent sized corporation as well. And every now and then they go through these spells where it's like everything gets micromanaged down to the penny. Um, and I kind of feel like WWE's in one of those cycles right now with them just, you know, for some reason they're trying to watch every single bottom dollar. And with that, you get less new content. Like you don't have, the, the the road diaries on you know with you know, the the traveling shows and you don't have a lot of the other stuff that we saw on the network you don't have the server space apparently that you had on the network with Peacock um, where character direction is going and building new stars you know stuff like that it's like you know they've built some and then they push them back down and then it's like well where does this guy fall into the pecking order of WWE when you know, they're going to guy like Big E, where he's the WWE champion, has a pretty solid run, and then gets moved to the other brand, and they don't even talk about it. You know, it's like, that's your that was your main event guy for four months, and they just move him to SmackDown and put him back with his old tag team partner, and it's kind of a blip on the radar. And it, 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 that part's concerning. Now, I will say, as a person that has invested in WWE, um... And I see that you know they get the, the the report comes out that they the revenue was one point one billion dollars, you know, last year. As an investor, it, it makes me a little happier. So that's where they're trying to they're trying to figure out this balance between, you know, keeping the stockholders and shareholders happy, and also keeping the fans happy. And I think, and, and there's like there's always this ebb and flow. Like when 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 the fans are happy, usually the stock price is down a little bit actually because they have more costs. And then when the stockholders are happy, the fans are down because they're limiting their costs. So it, it's it's a weird balancing act depending on where you fall in your view of WWE. Yeah, I know revenue is obviously really good when it's over $1.1 billion, But I think from a success standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, you look at the product itself, and it's not all that great. Um, no. I would say the last two months maybe haven't been all that great. I've I've tried very hard to give NXT 2.0 a fair shot, and it's it has its bright spots, very very bright spots. And then there's moments where it's just like this is not the type of wrestling I want to watch. Uh, SmackDown's been okay, Raw has been okay, but it's like it has these little pockets that you really enjoy. Like when RK Bro comes on the screen, I absolutely in tuned in and I'm entertained. When Chad Gable and Otis have been on the screen lately, I've been very much uh, entertain and tuned in. When Happy Brock is on my television, I am tuned in. Sami Zayn. It's it's a lot of entertaining characters. And I was recently watching, going back to the uh, Broken Skull sessions, an interview of Steve Austin and The Godfather, and they were talking about the Attitude Era. And this is where Dr. Trey, the older and and more we talk about the older uh, men that we sound. This sounds like back in the '90s when our you know, relatives would tell us about how great the 70s era of wrestling was. 
um, when Bruno and Bob Backlund were on the screen and that Hogan era stunk uh, and the era of wrestling that we watch right now with the Attitude Era stunk. But the Attitude Era, why was it so successful? They didn't have, and I didn't care back then too, which is uh, a thing that I think wrestling fans like ourselves get too inundated with. Uh, there weren't really five-star matches. There were solid matches, but highly entertaining characters. And that's what WWE's missed for some time. It, it's, it's a lot, and it's wrestling in general, to be honest with you. A lot of cookie-cutter guys that cannot break through their shell like Austin, Rock, Foley, Triple H, Taker did back during that era of, of the Attitude or the Godfather. Then you had like these other bit players as well. It, it just really feels like that the company is not listening to their fans. We've talked about that at nauseum now. Uh, revenue's high, great, but you also cut back on a lot of your contracts. So, uh, of course, you're going to take in more revenue when you release like 100-plus wrestlers from your books. Uh, I just don't like the current direction, and it stinks it's happened right now, again, during WrestleMania season. We've talked about this in the past. There's been years that when we've covered WrestleMania season that the build has been very good. And then there's been years where it's been piss poor and the execution at WrestleMania itself clearly shows. And I think we're headed towards that 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 type of WrestleMania right now. I, I am concerned, Dr. Trey, with the direction overall direction of the company, and it's at its most important point. Um I don't know. I've said this before, I don't know if I was doing a wrestling podcast, if I would watch WWE right now. I think I may just tune into the highlights on YouTube. Would you feel the same way if you weren't doing a podcast? Would you, would you just be maybe reading about it or not watching at all, even keeping any type of pulse on the business of WWE? I mean, just because of, I mean, podcast aside, and and take take the independent wrestling side out of it too. Like I'm, I'm a fan of the sport, and um, you know, you really haven't suffered. Like I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to relate to sports a little bit here. And you, as a Packer fan and a Yankee fan, you've really never suffered through like long periods of droughts. I'm a Knicks fan too. Teams. Okay, so yeah, the Knicks. <laughs> as an as an as a Knicks fan, over the last fifteen years, do you watch still watch all the Knicks games, or do you just no, kind of, no, not yeah. at all. Yeah, and that's but you're still a fan of the team, and if they got on a hot streak, you jump right on the bandwagon again, and and that's kind of where I feel like we're at with WWE, where we're like I, I kind of feel like they sold off all their stars, they're in rebuilding mode, looking for those top draft picks to kind of catch fire. So like even now, like if I miss an episode of Raw, it doesn't hurt me like it used to. Like I can catch up on it with YouTube or, or read about it. Same with NXT, same with SmackDown. Dynamite, I try to watch most of the time, but even that, like if I miss an episode of Dynamite, it doesn't kill me like it used to because there's not, and, this, and you can contest this, I've been harping on this for months now. There's not a breakthrough star. There's not a guy in wrestling outside of maybe Happy Brock that I'm like, oh my God, I got to see what that guy did. There's just not there. Um, and, and a lot of it is because people, like, it, it, you know, we talk about listening to the fans. The fans are all over the place on what they want. One contingent is like, oh, we want five-star matches every single week. And the other side, like me, I'm like, you give me characters and moments and decent storylines, I'll watch a three-star match if it makes sense and it furthers the storyline. 
So I, I don't even think you know WWE and AEW to a degree know where they're going with it. To me, wrestling's all about moments. It's all about characters and moments. And if you can go back through the history of wrestling, yeah, there's some great five star matches that you and I were like, oh yeah, that one match is fantastic. That one. Most of our memories though are made up of moments that happen. And like right now, like I can't really name a top wrestling moment in WWE in the last six months. Something that I'm gonna remember forever. It's not there. AEW, yeah. the AEW side, Punk returning, like in the last six months, that's about the only thing that I really go, oh yeah, I remember that. That's I remember that vividly. There's just not those moments, and a lot of it's because you know WWE has to cater to their their you know their shareholders, their network they're on, stuff like that. You know, AEW is focusing more on fantastic in-ring action where a guy can get hit with a wrench and get back up in 30 seconds and continue the match. I mean, they, they, that's just how they are. But like, I remember moments more than anything else, and those are the things when I was a kid, Hogan Andre, Ultimate Warrior Hogan stare down at WrestleMania 7, Piper cr- you know, crushing a, a coconut over Snooka's head, Shawn Michaels throwing Marty Jannetty through a window. Those moments are what made me a fan as a kid and now has carried me through the last 40 years of wrestling fandom. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, um, I actually thought when the academic challenge was going on this past week on raw, um, I was like comparing it in my head. Would I look back at this segment again as something that was, that was pretty fun because it was so entertaining. And I think I would, I think I would look back at it pretty entertaining, but not to the same level, I guess, as, as other stuff like this is your moment, Rock, or Team Hell No anger management. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a good point too, right? That was a that's pretty. About, yeah, that's about where I put the Alpha Academy Quiz Bowl stuff. It's it was entertaining, but I put it in there with the anger management therapy of Kane and Daniel Bryan. You know, it was good, and when I look back at it. I remember it fondly, but when I go, hey, what moments made me a diehard wrestling fan or what moments have carried me? Like, that's the day. It was good, but it's not one of the defining moments. You know, Austin with the with the beer truck or Angle with the milk truck. Like, we haven't had a moment like that in forever. You know, that just go, people, people go, like, lose their minds and tell their friends about, oh, my God, you can't believe what they just did on this show. You have to check it out. We don't have those moments to tell our friends about to bring new viewers to the product. Do you think it's because we don't have a character that that fans can truly relate to and get behind? Because I think that's kind of what's missing right now. Yeah, and and, and a lot of it is because I I think the the country is so like I, I I'll put it this way. Usually during the eras where we have that breakout guy, that guy is a representation of the country as a whole. Whether it was Hogan in the eighties, Austin Rock in the nineties. Cena in the early 2000s. Those guys were like a representation of what was going on in society in a lot of ways. And I think society is so yeah. splintered, we try to fit characters into different segments, and there's not one unifying character that everybody's getting behind. It's, man, I really love, you know, Roman Reigns. Or, man, I really love Happy Brock. Or, I really love um, Kenny Omega. Like, it's just, there's, it's segmented. Which sucks because it's kind of like the attitude area of the undercard below Austin and Rock, where you had Taker, you had Triple H, you had McFoley, 
but those guys weren't like not everybody loved Triple H. Most people loved Undertaker, but he did. He was since he was just so supernatural, he didn't really relate to a lot of people. A lot of people like Mick Foley, but there was a lot of like you know higher class people that thought Mick Foley was garbage. You know, so it, there's not that those unifying people that everybody either loves or hates it has a definitive opinion on it. A lot of people are just kind of like, yeah, not too bad. Oh, yeah, he's pretty good. It's That's where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah, and I'm with you. I don't think there's anybody that has a, a pulse on society. It's it's something I've I've thought about a lot, lot lately. I think Austin is the most relatable pulse on the society wrestler we've ever had. And um, you don't have that right now because of the splintering in society as a whole. A lot of people kind of doing their own thing and having their own strong opinions because of the different platforms that are out there like this in the world of podcasting. Uh, in relation to the direction of WWE, some of the things that's that's bothersome is obviously the booking. Uh, one part that we mentioned earlier on was was Ronda Rousey. So Ronda returns, which I'm, I'm totally fine with. I'm happy that she's back. It, it has that vibe of WrestleMania season. Uh, upon Ronda's return, if if somebody asks me, okay, who, who do you think Ronda will face? She wins the Rumble. Who do you think Ronda will face at WrestleMania? It's like, well, hands down, it's it's Becky Lynch. Ronda got pinned by Becky Lynch. They've had a social media media feud. They never had their match at Survivor Series that was supposed to take place because Becky got injured from the not um, you know accidental shot from from Nia Jackson, that famous bloody uh, face. I think in the eyes of most wrestling fans, Becky is the number one female star on the roster. She is the biggest star on the roster. So it's like it's 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 a layup here. You finally pull the trigger on doing Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch, and you do it at WrestleMania in front of 100,000 people in Dallas, Texas. Right? Wrong. The direction that they go, despite the fact that Becky Lynch pinned Ronda in her last WWE match prior to the Royal Rumble, the reason why she was gone for three years, Ronda picks Charlotte Flair to have that WrestleMania match. Dr. Trey, I, I was so lost and so confused by this booking. It makes zero sense to me. And I'm typically one of those guys that goes, I'll be optimistic and go, okay, let's just, I don't want to cut it off at the legs right now because let's see where it goes. But Rhonda is booked as this badass. Her perception, her real life perception is this badass. She's never run away from anybody. Why the hell is she running away from Becky Lynch and choosing Charlotte Flair? This makes zero sense to me. Yeah, I, I was with you. Like, if you go back to our WrestleMania predictions about that. Like, I, I kind of, in my head, Ronda Becky is the money match, and like, and to me, Charlotte is the example of what I was just talking about, where people are like, "Yeah, like yeah, she's okay. Yeah, she's pretty good," or "Yeah, I don't really like her all that much." Like, there's not. I don't know a single diehard Charlotte Flair, Charlotte Flair fan. I don't know anybody. In, in a lot of ways, and, and this is going to sound sacrilege, but back during the Ric Flair days, back during the 80s and the NWA and then early WCW, you know, Hogan was more popular than Flair. And it wasn't because Flair was the bad guy. It's just that Flair, you know, a lot of people are like, eh, I don't, yeah, I don't really like him all that much, but it wasn't like absolute hatred of Flair. You know, where Hogan was either, either you loved Hogan or you hated Hogan. And right now, Charlotte is a lot like her dad. Like, there's a lot of people who respect her. I think, I respect her as an athlete. I think she's one of the greatest female athletes I've ever seen in my life. 
I just I don't always like her matches. I don't always like her character, and I don't like how WWE books her a lot of times. And this is another of those examples where I think WWE values Charlotte Flair more than Becky Lynch, and I could I would probably say that definitely in the wrestling fandom, Becky's a bigger star, and probably in pop culture, Becky's bigger now. Um, so I, I didn't get it. I to me, it still boggles my mind that. You know, you could have this Becky Ronda matchup of two people that the fans view as legitimate, tough, badass people, and yet we go to Charlotte instead. Like it, it, it the only thing I could think of was really was them going, "Hey, we need to, we need to put Ronda on Fox and put her on SmackDown for TV ratings on that show." That is literally the only reason I could think of doing it because otherwise, to me, the money the money is Becky versus Ronda, not not Ronda versus Charlotte. Yeah. Um... It's peculiar. It's peculiar decision. I, I totally agree with you. I think WWE's perception is that their golden goose is Charlotte, that Becky is the, the number two to Charlotte being number one. And it's it's very reminiscent of um, like WrestleMania 30 where the fans wanted Daniel Bryan to be the person and they wanted to go in the direction of Batista and Randy Orton for the main event match, and the fans revolted and, and basically changed the main event match. Um, the fans wanted Becky versus Ronda a couple of years ago at WrestleMania 35 in New York, or New Jersey, I should say. And uh, that was the direction they were going to go, and then they inserted Charlotte into that match and made a triple threat match. She didn't win the Royal Rumble. She was just inserted because they with that really awful angle of Becky being injured and suspended and all of a sudden she wasn't injured anymore. It's, it's disrespectful, especially this day and age where there are alternatives in all elite wrestling to, to have that type of mindset and arrogance that you don't really need to listen to your fans anymore. You give, you, you give them what you want to give them and not what they want. And this is a poor direction change. This is a very poor direction change. I don't think it will have the same fire and anger and vigor, or at least I don't think it will from the fans as it did a couple of years ago, uh, or even during that period of time with Daniel Bryan, and, and we'll just all kind of learn to to live with it. But it makes you wonder. It's like, what are they doing? Are they saving this for Money in the Bank in Las Vegas, like Ronda's hometown? Are they saving it for SummerSlam in Nashville, Tennessee? Like, we're going to eventually get the Ronda-Becky match that everybody's anticipating and makes the most logical sense from a storyline standpoint. But when it happens and how it happens and how we get there is going to be a whole other thing. It's a very highly anticipated match. And I feel like when you have highly anticipated matches, Dr. Trey, you execute those at your biggest stage of the year. And that's WrestleMania. So this to me is... This is this is good, right? It's like a number two match. Their match that they had at Survivor Series a couple of years ago was good, but we've seen it already. This to me doesn't scream WrestleMania match to me because we've seen it already. It's not a dream match. Uh, it's going to be a, a it's a solid name value match, but it's not a dream match. It's it's highly disappointing that this is the way that they went about it because it's just peculiar booking that Ronda is ducking Becky Lynch. Like that makes zero sense, especially the fact that you're making Ronda the babyface. And Becky is still working as a heel right now. Yeah. I mean, and, and really, they kind of pigeoned to hold themselves in because you go back to Ronda's run. Ronda wasn't a very likable baby face during her initial run. She was better once she finally turned on the fans and went the heel route. Uh, the problem is, Charlotte's a heel and Becky's a heel. So you kind of have to make 
Ronda the babyface, but that's also why I think Ronda versus Becky is a better match because Becky still has her fans. So the crowd would be split between Ronda and Becky fans, and I think that would be you know, much more interesting than the crowd going, well, we don't really like Charlotte, so I guess we have to root for Ronda, and that's just kind of how I feel the crowd response is going to be like at WrestleMania. I think Ronda will get a huge pop because a lot of people that like just like Ronda's music and everything else, but I think when the match itself is going on, I think the crowd's going to be kind of just tuned out for it, whereas if it was Ronda and Becky, you know, they'd be fired up. And you mentioned it. Like, we've already seen Ronda and Charlotte. We have never seen Ronda and Becky one-on-one. And I actually had to remind a couple of people that we've never had that match. Uh, but yeah, it, it, to me, this screams, you know, we need bigger stars on SmackDown. And unfortunately, we have Charlotte here, so let's we got to move Ronda over. I mean, it does make you kind of go back and wonder why they switched Becky and Charlotte in the draft. Because if Becky had been on SmackDown... We could have had Ronda versus Becky, and Fox would have been happy. Yeah, they absolutely would have been. Uh, absolutely would have been. It, it, it's it's a peculiar way to go about things. I'm I'm not a fan of it. Um, it's a head scratcher. It's a head scratcher because it's like, okay, you're ducking Becky Lynch. Like you're you're giving into everything that she says about Ronda Rousey, and I just don't find that to be something that will win her over with the fans because they've already reportedly had to talk to her about working more as a baby face rather than a heel with with a scowl on her face because she's legitimately upset at how she was treated at the end by wrestling fans, according to reports. Another head-scratcher, Dr. Trey brought this up, the Big E singles run. I loved it. I loved when he became a WWE champion. The, according to reports, the wrestlers loved when he became WWE champion. Wrestlers in other companies loved when he became WWE champion. It seemed like the right political move. Uh, he gets the title taken off of him. We still think that he's going to win the Royal Rumble a couple weeks ago. That was both of our predictions. He gets thrown out on some and unceremoniously, gets paired up the night before again with Kofi, and gets moved over to SmackDown with no real announcement reason why. It just happens. Um, and now, according to reports, his singles run is reportedly over right now. Dr. Trey, I don't get this. I I felt like his booking failed him, but I never felt like Biggie as world champion was a failure at all. I loved it. I thought this was just one of those cases of when a guy wins his first world championship that you typically don't see becoming WWE champion, it's not that great. And then they usually win you over in, in championship reigns number two and three and four, like many other champions have in the past, like Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and the list goes on and on. Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, the list goes on and on and on. Why the hell is the Biggie singles run over? Because I didn't think it ran its course. Did you? No, because you, we had to have an elimination chamber and Goldberg had to come back for Saudi Arabia. Like, that's literally the only thing I think of because when you go back and look at Biggie's run, his matches were great, his look is great, his charisma is great. The man cuts an outstanding promo. I mean, when, he, when Big E talks, people listen. I mean, he's articulate, well-spoken. He knows his pacing. He knows how his intensity should be. He knows when to tune it down. Like, he's everything you typically want in a world champion. Now, I will say, I still don't like his entrance music. But outside of that, everything else I thought was spot on. And to not... <clears throat> It's one thing to take the title off of him. That happens. You mentioned a bunch of guys. I, I still always throw in 
CM Punk's first run in the WWE as world champion. Um, but to just go, hey, we're going to move you to SmackDown. Kofi needs a tag partner while Woods is hurt. Uh, we'll move you over there, but we're not really going to make a big deal about it. Like, usually anytime a world champion switches brands, they talk about it. They make a big deal about it. And for them to kind of do this, and not only do this, but do this during Black History Month, like, it's just a, sets a really bad precedent or continues a notoriously bad trend for WWE when it comes to how they treat their African-American wrestlers. I think that's difficult to say, though, when Bobby Lashley's your WWE champion right now, though. But you could have had Lashley versus Big E at WrestleMania on the heels of doing Sasha Bianca last year. I agree with you, but I don't think it's necessarily a race yeah. thing. That's not. I'm just saying to me, like, the, like the, I'm listening. I, I am the one person in this world that literally does I, – I, when it comes to color, I'm like it, 95 – when people yell it's racist, I'm like, no, it's not. It's just business. But there's not – this, to me, doesn't scream a good business decision. Mm-mm. So that makes me question what the motives are because, like I said, the guy is one of the most likable people in all of wrestling. So why do you move him to SmackDown and not even really talk about it and then not even have him challenge Roman, not challenging – you know, not trying to step into the IC title race, nothing like that. We just put you back in a tag team that's not challenging the Usos for the tag belt. Yeah. You're fighting Los Lotharios. He went from fighting Lashley and Brock Lesnar to fighting Humberto and Angel Garza. Which that match was a banger on SmackDown, by the way. Uh, it was. Great tag team match. It, but it, I'm saying, but the, but the pecking order of opponents, it, it's kind of like when we saw Drew wrestle Madcap Moss. You're like, what the hell is this about? At least we got a story out of it. But for to go from, what and once again, it's another it's somebody else who lost to Brock and didn't get a rematch like Kofi, but you move him to SmackDown and not to feud with the Usos, but to feud with Los Lotharios. Great in-ring people, but on the pecking order of the hierarchy in WWE, they are well down the list. So it, it just, it's to me, it, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. And plus, then it's like, if Big E and Kofi lose to Los Lotharios, now you're letting the former WWE cha- two former world champions lose to Umberto and Angel Garza. Do you think he's going to get another opportunity? Do you think Big E gets another shot at this singles run in 2022? I do. Because um, when you have Roman in the bloodline, like I can easily see if Roman retains at WrestleMania, then you got Drew McIntyre and the Viking Raiders to step into that, where you got you know three on three. And then you could go back to Big E, Kofi, and Woods against the bloodline. So... I do think Biggie will get another shot um, and probably another run because, I mean, you and I have been saying for about a year, Biggie should be the guy that ends Roman's run. Yeah. Um, so it makes the most sense because, I mean, we love Drew McIntyre, but Drew's already had a couple title runs. Um, and Drew's older than Biggie. Biggie's is still a guy that you can bank on for 10 years uh, after this. So to me, it makes the most sense, especially, you know, with the way society is as a whole. I think Biggie on top, you know, Maybe take him out of the. I hate to say it, but Miz is right. Maybe take him out of the colorful gear and make it a little more straight line, so that way he can kind of relate to everybody. Because um, not everybody likes the, the the new day gear slash Braun Breaker neon colored stuff type things. We come, you know, we typically want our champions to be badasses for the most part. Um, but 
Biggie's one of those guys that he, he can slide right back to the top of the card and have a six, eight-month run, and people be fine with it and be happy about it. Yeah, it's a peculiar, uh, again, peculiar booking. It's like, again, you know, we just talked about with Ronda. It's like Ronda-Becky is a match the fans wanted to see. WrestleMania is a showcase of the Immortals. It's a showcase where you give the fans what they want to see, and you're not giving them that. Uh, Big E was a beloved, is a beloved wrestler, was a beloved champion, and want to see him succeed and be continue to be successful. And you put it put him back with the tag team and it's like okay do they do that because woods is hurt woods is supposed to be back are you doing it because you want to put the new day back together it makes no sense dr trey it's it goes back to what we open up the show with the direction of wwe is very concerning because i don't know what their identity is right now and it's it's not a good look when you know you're going to be headlining another another wrestlemania with reigns and lesnar granted this build-up is a hell of a lot better than it's ever was for WrestleMania 31 or WrestleMania 34. Uh, but you continue to, to bring out stars that the fans truly don't want to see in championship matches like Bill Goldberg in a couple weeks for Elimination Chamber. It's strange times. Strange times with WWE. Yeah. And the direction is definitely concerning when you talk about stuff with Ronda and Big E. Um, let's see if that trend of concern continues, Dr. Trey, because there may be some potential hits at Russ- other WrestleMania 38 matches. Uh, John Pollock, a post-wrestling, tweeted the following... During SmackDown, the following matches were listed for the Toronto House Show on March the 27th. Lashley versus Rollins versus AJ Styles. And Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Uh, there's folks that think that maybe that is the beginning of the test runs for the WrestleMania matches. What do you think here? If it's Lashley versus Rollins versus Styles and Lynch versus Ripley versus Bianca Belair, which I don't know how they'll accomplish that in the Elimination Chamber uh, in 10 days. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, to me, I think they're testing it out to see who the fans kind of want to see. In those shows. I, I, I just can't see them doing two triple threat matches again. Um, you know, we, they typically don't like to do repeat style of matches at WrestleMania. So, I mean, I, I think they've done it in the past, but it's typically not their MO. I think they're just trying to gauge fan response to, you know, how, how do how do the fans respond when Lashley and Seth are going out? How do they respond when Lashley and you know AJ are going out? Becky and, and Rhea, Becky and Bianca, and just try to gauge that way they can kind of figure out where they want to go um, heading into WrestleMania season. Uh, I mean, Becky Rhea, I, I, I don't I, I, to me Bianca re- deserves the rematch from SummerSlam, but Becky and Rhea makes a lot of sense too. Um, I still think AJ is going to end up against the Edge. I just I don't I don't know why it's so that's the dream match that we people want to see, and maybe we do get uh, Lashley and Seth at WrestleMania for the title, which not my favorite pick, but you know the stuff with Seth and KO is pretty entertaining, so I, I can deal with it. I guess it's just none of those opponents for for Lashley make me want to jump out and go, yeah, that's who I want to see Lashley in the ring with. Yeah, it's. Uh... Strange stuff right now. We talked about it on last week's show. The WWE Championship match in particular, it's a little bit of head-scratcher of the direction of where that's going. Um, a lot's in flux, which is a shame because it should not be in flux in February 2022. It should not be in flux. WWE should know what they want to do with WrestleMania. Good WrestleMania, solid WrestleManias are successful when in October and November they know where they want to be in January, February, March, and April for WrestleMania. That's a successful WrestleMania. We've seen WrestleManias that have been absolute crap. 
because of poor booking and planning. Sometimes there's a lot of injuries like there was uh, originally in Dallas in WrestleMania 32. Uh, but when you have a good plan of a WrestleMania, they're pretty successful. Uh, WrestleMania 35, I thought was had successful moments. Uh, 33 was good. 31 has been one of my favorites in recent memory. It, it just goes to show you that when they're all over the place, it uh, typically does not bode well for WrestleMania unless the wrestlers themselves uh, put on one hell of a show and save the company's ass once again. Um, switching gears here to AEW, kind of wanted to do a little bit of a Dynamite roundup here, Dr. Trey. It was a very solid episode of Dynamite this past Wednesday night. Uh, last night, uh, I'm enjoying the Wardlow slow burn. Uh, the inner circle issues have me intrigued. Keith Lee is now all elite. Uh, he made his debut. Jay White opened the Forbidden Door and made a surprise appearance. Uh, CM Punk and John Moxley taking FT uh, taking on FTR was an absolute banger of a match, and Hangman retains. Very solid episode of AW Dynamite this past Wednesday, Doctor Trey. Uh, any thoughts on uh, this past week's edition of AW Dynamite? No, I, I thought it was a very solid show. I mean, I mean, getting to see Punk and Moxley team up was, was a really pleasant surprise. Especially against FDR. I mean, you put anybody in the ring with FDR, it's, it's going to be a, an outstanding match. Um, the stuff with the inner circle, Sammy quitting the group again, all that stuff's very intriguing because, you know, is this, is this the launching pad for Sammy to become a main event guy? Or is there something else going on? Uh, to me, I, the only thing I, I, at the end of the show, when I got done watching it, I, I started to question. Is Hangman the right choice right now to be the top guy in AEW? Because it feels like he gets overshadowed by so many people, and he's your world champion. I agree. Uh, so I, I was thinking the same exact thing. I'm like, wow, he's getting lost in the shuffle as world champion. And, and even his challenger. Like, I love Lance Archer. Lance Archer, I, I, I think he's phenomenal. But, like, you look at the roster and you're like, man, there's a bunch of different guys you could put in that spot against Hangman right now and create some some buzz. It just feels like they're kind of in a holding pattern because I mean, even the Adam Cole stuff at the end, you know, you know, I'm still like, yeah, it's great. Adam Cole, Hangman Page, it's gonna be a great match. But I don't think either guy is right to be the top guy in the company to bring eyes to the product. Because they I mean Although the ratings were up this week, it just feels like it's still kind of stagnant. Like, nobody is breaking out of this pack. And it's almost like a log jam at the top. And when you look at, like, who people are tuning in to see, Hangman's down the list. So it, it's kind of weird right now. Like, we were so happy that he won the title. But right now, like, even if you brought Kenny Omega back right now, like, if he, like say he was perfectly healthy. Does Kenny jump over what they're doing with MJF? Does Kenny jump over the stuff with – does Kenny jump over Brian Danielson? Does Kenny jump over CM Punk? Does Kenny jump over you know, all these other guys they're bringing in? I, I, I can't say he would because I don't know if he has the natural charisma to overshadow a lot of these guys that had WWE training in that. I just, I just kind of feel like it's – the deck's really weird. I think more people are interested in what Cody's doing than Hangman Page. So that's – Shows you how far down the list he is right now. Uh, yes, I, I, I agree with you on that. It's um, I, it's I don't know. I, I don't know what they're doing with him right now. Like I almost right. Whenever anybody that's very very popular 
becomes world champion like Hangman was, they kind of lose their luster a little bit. Like once you put the title on them, they've they've lost that underground aspect. Um, he's had some really good matches. The stuff with Archer was really good. This stuff with um, Daniel Bryan was very very good. It, it was fantastic. His match with Omega was good. So he's had good matches. He's just getting lost in the shuffle of everything else. Do you think Adam Cole being the next contender can pull this out of him? Because I think, I think where this is going is that the stuff with Adam Cole and the Young Bucks and their little tension, Red Dragon, um, Switchblade, Jay White coming, Kenny Omega being away is leading towards a bigger uh, blow off, a bigger uh, angle and feud. And I think him getting that title shot with Hangman could eventually lead to the return of Kenny Omega, where you've got Kenny and the Bucks taking on Cole and Red Dragon uh, of the former Undisputed Era. I, I think Hangman may be a pawn in this entire thing uh, to lead to a bigger feud, which kind of adds a little bit as I talk through this of of where things are for him right now. But I wonder if him being in a bigger feud could help him out a little bit because he's been overshadowed by punk MJF stuff, uh, quite honestly, lately. I mean, hell, he, he was overshadowed by Cody and Malachi Black for a long time. I mean, it's not just the top feud. It's the undercard. It's the under feuds as well that he's getting overshadowed. And I was thinking about it a little earlier. I was thinking about it uh, the other night after watching Dynamite. Hangman Page being world champion reminds me of when the NWA slash WCW would have Barry Windham as their top champion. Like, fantastic wrestler. And, but Hangman does have a little bit more of a personality than Windham, but we really haven't seen it. I mean, the, the hottest he was was when he was doing all the drinking stuff. And since he's been world champion, that's gone away. That was an interesting aspect to the character. To me, his character is just flat because we only see him when it's time to start building up towards the next few, like it, it almost feels like Tony Khan's like, Oh crap. We can have our world champion do something. Who, who can we have a fight that isn't involved in one of the bigger feuds on TV? We hadn't seen Lance Archer in months. Now, albeit he was injured, but we hadn't seen or heard about him in a long time. And he's the guy we bring out to challenge, you know, hangman page. To me, it just feels like they're, it, it's almost like Cody's right. The TNT title is booked better than their world champion. It, yeah. it's, it, it's featured in more prestigious moments than the world champion. Uh, Dr. Trey, right. do you think the AEW world title, because I don't really remember a time where I felt like the world title got me excited as a fan. Um, like Kenny had a good run, but Jericho's run was okay to get like AEW off the ground. Moxley's run, and this is not a popular opinion. I love Moxley, one of my favorite wrestlers, but I thought his run was the title was not like I thought it was mediocre. I thought Kenny's run with the title was the best one we've seen, and Hangman's run obviously um, has been okay thus far. When it goes to Mox's, um, part of the problem I have with Moxley's run, and this is also part of the problem I used to have with when Steve Austin was the champ. Austin was great in the chase. When he got the belt, sometimes like it, like McMahon would create obstacles for him, and I don't think Moxley really had any obstacles. Where as a fan, you were like, "Oh my god, he can lose the belt! This, he can lose the belt this time." And I think that's where we're at, Hangman Page. Like the people they're putting him out there with us, 
Yeah, yeah, Brian Danielson was one of those guys, but at the same time, like we just put the belt on Hangman. We can't take it off as quick. And then since then, it's like they're solid challengers, but I don't think – did anybody think Lance Archer as AEW world champion made sense? Like that's where they were going to go with it? Like his challengers aren't on the level where it makes sense that they're credible threats. Box um, was kind of in that boat. Now, Kenny – as the heel can have a better run because he can always play cowardice to whatever baby face they put up there. And you're like, Oh, you know, jungle boy, that's a credible threat. I'm like, yeah, jungle boy's like 24 years old and <laughs> you know, 150 pounds. Really? He's a credible threat. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you can present it that way because Kenny's backing down to the kid, you yeah. know, and like that's why, that's why I've always been a big fan of the heels make the better champions for a long run because you can do more storytelling with it and then eventually have the babyface beat him short run and then another heel champion for a long run to help build up your baby faces which is WWE's, wwe's issue right now is they don't have any they haven't built up any baby faces yeah. to challenge bobby lashley so it kind of throws that off but anyway but yeah I, I to me hangman's run right now is not great and he's like if i look at baby faces on aew fourth fifth like he's down the list of the guys fans are coming in to see him buying merchandise though yeah i mean wardlow's getting booked better and get yep. more hype and buzz around him than than hangman is right now it's it's peculiar it's like a blessing and a curse when you become world champion you've we've seen oh. that so far in AEW thus far but um by the way yeah go ahead keith lee debuts on dynamite we're all happy about it but were you disappointed that he did not pounce Adam Cole on the very first episode that he's on? Uh, of course, yeah. I mean, that was a classic moment in NXT. Would have been a nice little hat tip. Uh, to the point with Keith Lee, and I hate to say this, but I, I was going to hold off on saying it, but I'll say it anyway. I didn't think he looked that great in the ring. And I feel like he got bigger, Dr. Trey. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I, I love Keith Lee, but... I, I'm friends with Keith on Facebook. Uh, now, we're not like good friends. We don't text and buddy-buddy up. But, sure. you know, being friends, you can kind of monitor stuff and see what they're going through. I mean, hell, like two months ago, I was, I, I was mistaking him for Mark Henry because his beard had gotten gray and he put on a little bit of weight. And I was like, I was having a hard time telling them apart. Um, but, yeah, he does look like he put on a few pounds. And, he, I mean, he really hasn't been in the ring in – 90 days so his his ring shapes off and not to mention uh you know the guy he's in there with that the the style of mark was it isaiah cassidy or mark quinn i can't remember it was isaiah cassidy so the the style of isaiah cassidy and the style of keith lee don't really mesh up that well um because one of the things i love about keith is when he's wrestling a medium-sized guy or a big guy the speed and the agility comes out but when he's wrestling a little guy and he tries to use his speed agility, it just looks clunky because he can't match speed and agility with the smaller guy. Um, unless they're experienced. Like the, the matches with Adam Cole, you know, that he had, those were great because Adam knows how to f- help another guy feature his stuff where Isaiah, Isaiah is so young. He hasn't learned that aspect yet, but. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the match, but it was just nice to see him out there and at least not having the Bearcat name attached to it. Yeah, that was that was a pretty awful name. Um, so Keith Lee and AEW, solid episode of AEW Dynamite, concerning times for WWE, and a whole lot more covered on this week's edition of the Still Real Talk Show. 
Uh, feel free to chime in at any point at SRTU Podcast on Twitter or Facebook.com slash The Still Real to Us Show. With that said, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at realguyradio.com. RussellChatNet on Twitter and the Still Real to Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff or for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. Uh, you can catch me on Facebook and Instagram. Just uh, search out Dr. Trey Franklin. When you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. We just had a big show this past Saturday. We got another one coming up February 5th as we build towards Wrestling Con 5. Uh, and I can now officially announce that scheduled to appear, because your know, card is always subject to change, but scheduled to appear, uh, Sid Bodie, uh, the former Kazarni, comes back as he's a close friend with our owner, Barry Koloff, and the beautiful people, Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, will be at Wrestling Con 5, uh, the hormone-raging 24-year-old in me is, like, super excited to see the pigeons fly uh, at, at Rocket City uh, for Wrestling Con. And, and I'll be the GM, which means I get to interact with them, and I'll be super excited about that. And, and by the way, Jeff, uh, I'm just asking, if do the fans want to see, I actually have the ability now to actually put up clips from the Rocket City show onto our Facebook page instead of doing the whole show. So if anybody wants to see clips of me in the ring or some other stuff, just let me know, and we can do individual clips instead of making you guys sit through three hours of us. Oh, we got to put that up, man. Put some of your favorite clips up there, brother. So it just started. We just our, we had a cha- our, our cameraman retired. So we got a new guy, and the way he does it, I actually posted on my Facebook page uh, about a five-minute uh, interview segment I had with one of our top heels uh, going back and forth. So I'll post that up on the SRTV page as well. There you go. Support all the great things that support the Still Real to Show. Spread the word about the Still Real to Show podcast. Check out realguyradio.com, realguypods on Twitter as well. And uh, don't forget to tune in next Thursday when we uh, get you ready for the Saturday afternoon Elimination Chamber from uh, Saudi Arabia uh, as uh, the road for us made a little preview for Saturdays afternoons elimination paper chamber pay-per-view on next week's edition of the show so until next week thank you for downloading for dr Trey franklin i'm jeff Beck. this is the real show
Watch Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Rated PG-13. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.